Well, hello there, and thank you for tuning in to the Shameless Sex Podcast. I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure product company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom, to pussy praising, to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and and enjoy enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Amy here with the Shameless Sex Podcast. April is not here today. She's actually just getting back from Amsterdam and Germany. Uh, So I have a wonderful guest here who is also another podcaster, not from the realm of sexuality, but um, they also like to kind of push the envelope a little bit in their own way. And um, I've been on their podcast before. And also, uh, when we were getting our podcast started, we got a lot of tips and inspiration from this wonderful person. So I love to introduce Kyle Tierman of The Kyle Tierman Show. If you want to learn more about his podcast, um, how do we find you? Google Kyle Tierman, Kyle Tierman and iTunes. <laughs> Clearly, I'm the most humble. I just use my name wherever <laughs> I go. Just keep it simple. Exactly. The Kyle Tierman Show. It's mm-hmm. actually not very simple because my last name is difficult How to spell. How do you spell, spell it? Spell T-H-I-E-R-M-A-N-N. Oh. Pronounced Tierman. Oh, what is your, where does that come from? comes from Germany, but oh. m- my father, so my grandfather was born out of wedlock in Scotland, oh. apparently to a very wealthy Scottish family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it was out of le- wedlock, it was a secret birth. So they... Shame. Shame. Yeah. They <laughs> flew him to Hong Kong. What? To have the secret birth. And he was raised by a nanny for the first few years of his life wow. and doesn't have any memory of his real parents. And then he was adopted by an American family with the German last name Tierman. Wow. So, so there's like a whole lost lineage there. A whole lost lineage. Yeah. Exactly. Be it based on shame. <laughs> Basically, exactly. Like what shame does. Yeah. Wow. So this is Kyle Tierman, everyone. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> so that's me. I've always a wanted to shame. <laughs> I've always wanted to go back to Scotland, though. Oh, you should. There's something so I, I feel like at different points in our lives we become more curious about our heritage. Mm-hmm. We become oh, more, more curious. I'm in about, it right now. Okay, are you? so I'm a quarter Jewish, um, and I. Some of the maiden names, my mom's side would be Merowitz, but I am now Amy Baldwin. And I have never really been interested in the family lineage. It's very interesting because I'm sixth generation Santa Cruzian. Like we were, my family, the Baldwins were the original surveyors of Santa Cruz. We have all this family history and I've been kind of fascinated with it, but not that much. But now I'm like, wow, that's really awesome. But the Merowitz side, lately I've been really interested in Holocaust literature, specifically People are like, why are you reading? Why are you reading Anne Frank? What's wrong with you? You're trying to become depressed, but I'm, but it's because I also don't know a lot. I know have my family as you know, they're Holocaust survivors and people who didn't survive as well, um, and I'm finding myself like really curious about it. I've never had this desire to like go to Auschwitz or any of that stuff, and like lately i'm like hmm maybe well have you heard any of the science on gene trauma no or like so, so there's like ancestral science trauma? yeah on mm-hmm. ancestral ancestral 
trauma. trauma. Yeah, like we hold it in our DNA, right? Yeah. Yeah, explain a little bit about that, because that would be new for a lot of people. Mm. Or maybe just the Cliff Notes thing of what you know. I mean, the Cliff Notes of it is that trauma from ancestors can live in our, in our DNA, DNA. Mm-hmm. through generations. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not an expert on it, but, yeah, but I've, I have it's fascinating mm-hmm. to think about. Yeah, so it's not just like, um, I heard this about my relative. It's like, no, it's actually in me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, so my grandfather, uh, his name's Ian Tierman, recently passed away at 98 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at his memorial, there were a lot of people who stood up and told stories about him. And many of the stories I had never heard. Um, and one of the, the big themes in his life was that he was a hardcore environmentalist mm. and he, how much he loved nature and, how and much look he, at you, how much he loved being <laughs> in the outdoors yeah. and how much he, um, just always w- was willing to talk about uncomfortable shit mm. and be the only voice in the room. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there thinking, I'm so fucking unoriginal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it can be this really, um, kind of freeing moment to, have a respect and a reverence for our lineage. I mm-hmm. think that we tend to want to, to think of ourselves as our own person. We want to think of ourselves mm-hmm. as the newest, the greatest, and I'm special. I'm special. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a and there's also a lot of pressure in our society to make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of times more wisdom can be drawn by remembering lessons that were maybe once forgotten mm. than looking for the newest, best, shiniest um, way to make an name for ourselves. Yeah, I like that. So this is kind of a little bit of what we were talking about earlier, the the legacy piece. Everyone wants to kind of leave a legacy and be uh, remembered, which is really interesting to me. So I've been, uh, and, you know, I'm an, an educator, and yesterday I went to um, Cabrillo College, very, and this is where I first went, where I first took my first human sexuality class when I was 18, so I'm now 32. Took my first human sexuality class. The, the professor was so terrible and made the topic so dry, and yet I loved every second of it, and that's what inspired me to continue um, pursuing this this path, and it just has always evolved, and um and it's, it, I was invited back in the, this last week to go and present at the human sexuality class, different instructor now, and um, to present on sex, relationships, communication, breakdowns. Um, and I went in there last week and this week, and it was really exciting for me to kind of go back. And I was like, wow, this is where it all started. Um, and then so I presented to these people without even really going in there with like, I had kind of some notes. I'm going to talk this, this, and this, but didn't really go over it. And my delivery was, um, it felt like it was coming from such like this deep, deeper cultivated wisdom that was really authentic to me that felt like I was speaking from just such a powerful and confident place. And, and I was thinking about it, about, I was like, wow, I'm like really refined in my skill because I've been doing this for 10 years now. Um, and then I was, in, was looking into that too of, what am I, what is that feeling to me is like, what, what is exciting me about that? Am I feeling powerful? You know, is it, is it my ego that's me feeling powerful? And that I, I think that like these people will always forever remember me as being super awesome Amy who blew their minds. Um, but really, and so I think that that is one approach that, that people want, especially people who are teachers or aren't, you know, have a microphone like this. Um, plenty of people are getting high off being, feeling awesome. 
Um, for me, though, as I check in with myself, it really was the fact that, like, these, you know, I had at least, like, four or five people come up to me after, and they were like, that was amazing. And it wasn't feeding my ego. It was me saying, like, their lives have been changed. And there was that. So, like, for, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's there's definitely still some ego in there, and there's still some, like, I don't know. To me, it doesn't feel too much of, like, a legacy thing. It feels more like my purpose is to teach and to help people, and and that's what feeds me, and it feels so exciting. Right. Well, it's, an, it's nuance, and mm. I've learned a ton about that, um, given that I've been doing... Um, a lot of environmental film for a number of years. Yeah, but will you tell us who you are and what you do? <laughs> sure. Uh, I do a lot of um, micro documentaries on environmental and ocean issues around mm. the world. Mm -hmm. uh, for the last two years, I worked as a correspondent for Discovery Digital Network, mm -hmm. um, where I'd go around the world and cover usually ocean-based environmental issues um, for the eight years prior to that. I had a YouTube series called Surfing for Change that was a series based on um, looking at coastal issues through the lens of surfing. Mm. So I um, did a, a doc on the trash epidemic in Bali that got a million views, um, did a story on the protests happening in Hawaii on um, the GMO, um, the GMO issues over there, plastic pollution, um, working conditions in Sri Lanka. A lot of... Uh, the, the thing that I love so much about what I do is that I get... I have the freedom to move laterally from issue to issue and subject to subject. And I get to attain these little micro degrees in a lot of uh, varied issues in life. Um, so I've I very much care about a number of different issues and I've more than being passionate about filmmaking I think I've always been a lot more interested in just having the freedom to move laterally and give my just present my own take on things mm -hmm. um, so that's what I do and my reasons for doing it since I started when I was 18 have changed a lot mm -hmm. because I'm a different person now um, I'm 27 now and I was thinking about this the other day because when I was 18, I, I got a lot of um, external praise for doing what I was doing. Um, the first story that I did kind of blew up. It was on um, the impact that uh, where you put your money in mm -hmm. banks has on uh, the environment because when you put your money into a, a multinational bank, it's more likely going to be lent out um, and used to fund a project that you might not necessarily want to support yourself, right? So for example, Bank of America is one of the larger funders of coal power worldwide. So if you have your money in B of A, it's being lent out to fund um, projects that you're not that psyched on. I want to tell you on that note, you're Sh the one that inspired me to go local, just I'm so you know. <laughs> I'm, ha I'm happy to hear that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so if you have your money in a local bank and credit union, it, it helps. It mm -hmm. helps. So I got all this praise when I was 18 for, for this. And I, f I could almost see myself retrospectively needing that external praise more and more the more I got it. And mm -hmm. also needing to feel like I was fitting this identity of the youth activist, which isn't dissimilar from the hot girl... Yeah. 
<laughs> who gets a ton a ton of praise at a certain age and then tries yeah. to stay that age for the next number of years. And it was actually through my experiences with psychedelics that it helped me get out of my own way. Because t what you were talking about, the nuance between showing up and being like, I'm Amy and this is me and know me and know that I'm awesome. The, di the difference between that and serving as a conduit mm. of information, the information is moving through you and to someone else. And you, you almost disappear in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's not about you anymore. It's about the message. Yeah, it's, it's like I'm, like, I'm not I'm not channeling, but yeah, it's like I can't do it for the message. Yeah. And the people who I see, who I really respect, who have attained a ton of success and um, and haven't become weird, <laughs> are the ones who see themselves more as conduits. Mm. And I vividly remember the moment that this happened. I was in Big Sur. Uh, on top of the world on one of those beautiful hills and I was looking out over the Pacific Ocean on a sunny afternoon and um, all of the wildflowers were going off. Uh, they were purple and blue and yellow. And I took a tab of LSD mm. and I thought that exact thought that no one is actually going to remember who you are or what you do. And all you can really hope to be is a conduit. Mm. And you're never fully going to know the impact of what something that you said. Uh, that you're never going to know the impact of what you did. And that's okay. So it's more about getting out of your own way and then using that energy to propel you forward rather than trying to hoard it in and keep it all for yourself and you know, have a podcast called The Kyle Chairman Show or something. <laughs> Know the name. Remember the name. Never, I'm, I'm, never I'm forget. Someone. Never forget. I'm someone. I'm also. I'm also the youngest of five. So, so you really want to be remembered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hear me. He wants to feel really yeah. special, everyone. Exactly. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I I like that. Um, I want to talk about psychedelics because it's interesting. Um, April and I have we've never talked about psychedelics in our 22 episodes, and um, I'm. Really, I'm someone, and um, maybe a little more than than you are, but I know that you you use um, psychedelics as medicine, as parts as uh, medicine for expansiveness, and you've done work with ayahuasca in arrhythmia down in Costa Rica, and you're talking about LSD, and I'm sure you've done other um, other work, but um, and I'm someone too, and I don't know if I've I've talked about this on a podcast, probably. Um, I I definitely sit with psychedelics. I've definitely experienced psychedelics in a more of like a party atmosphere, but I'm talking about psychedelics as medicine for expansion and for deeper connection to the self and to other. And um, so I'm curious if you, um, in terms of like relationships and um, to yourself and how you connect with others, what, what psychedelics have done for you in that sense. Like you're talking about this, the legacy piece that you're talking about, that's really important wisdom. Um, but what else has have psychedelics done for you? Um, in your in your growth and your lessons and your learning, gosh, not they've helped me not take myself so seriously. <laughs> they, they're just so when used correctly. Because I also uh, I talk about psychedelics quite a bit on my own podcast and have the real experts come on, and I do take it seriously because they are powerful and like any 
powerful substance experience anything. You you want to treat it with a respect and a reverence, right? If you're hiking into the Sierras in the wintertime, you want to make sure that you have a good jacket and a backpack and a compass, mm-hmm. right? And that can be a really beautiful, really transformative experience, sometimes difficult, sometimes not so difficult. But to know what you're getting into is really important. So I always lead when I talk about psychedelics with um, knowing the mindset that you're going to go in with. Like, what do I just want to groove with my friends and hang in Big Sur and dance naked under the stars, which is Mm -hmm. fucking great. Mm -hmm. Or do I want to come to terms with some deep trauma? Mm -hmm. Do I want insight? And various doses of psychedelics, just like anything, are going to give you a a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that I like about psychedelics... um, as opposed to other drugs, which I don't really do, um, never done cocaine, never smoked cigarette, um, is that they actually help me get to know myself better. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not an experience where I'm trying to shut something out. Yeah, not escaping or numbing. Exactly. Out. Mm-hmm. So, so in those experiences, yeah, it's it's the mindset that I want to go in with, mm-hmm. and it's the setting that mm-hmm. I, um, it, it's it's the place that I'm in, and I try and be conscious about those two factors. Mm-hmm. And I've <laughs> blown it many times where <laughs> I you know, took some mushrooms and forgot about a dinner that I had to go to, and <laughs> all of a sudden I'm. I won't give too many details away on this one, but I was recently on a surf trip with some uh, very high profile professional surfers and um, we all took psychedelics together and went surfing and had a great time. <laughs> and uh, we kind of miscalculated the time on like when the trip was going to start <laughs> happening into when uh, we had to go to this, this environmental dinner it was oh, like wow. a very <laughs> it was like a very serious like they were the honored guests mm-hmm. and there were there was news there oh, <laughs> we the all cameras? got to, oh my god and we all got to the dinner and we're sitting there just like okay just don't laugh just don't just don't blow it just don't crack <laughs> up <laughs> and one of the news one of the newsmen came up to to my friend who's who's a professional surfer and was like, oh, excuse me, sir, like, can I interview you for this story I'm doing? And he, um, and it it was uh, actually the first time that he had used psychedelics. (laughs) (laughs) And he was doing great. He was having a blast. And uh, the guy asked him a question and he just, he just started talking and I was just at dinner like oh my god oh my god oh my god I blew it I blew it like I totally miscalculated the time on when we were were you the one that that, like the instigator of all of it oh I was definitely the instigator of all all on you well it was was totally and I was like you want your friend to have a good experience right Uh and then uh we leave dinner and it all goes well and and my friend came up to me he said so the news reporter asked me the the question and I don't know what I said, but I just started talking and I started talking and I started talking. And then I finished and the news reporter said, oh, my gosh, I have goosebumps. That was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm totally not surprised. Right. So, again, the, the, the dose determines the experience. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of people well, in, a lot of people in Silicon Valley use psychedelics 
in very small They're doses, microdosing, microdosing yeah. for problem solving, for mood enhancement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can take larger doses depending on... So like go do deep work. Go, deep, yeah. go do deep work, yeah. exactly. Um, well, I like what you were also saying about intention. That that's important as well. So... Um, you, you know, sitting down and getting clear on what your intention is for the experience. And, and intention goes a long way. I've had some really big lessons on um, on intention in the last like year or two and the ways that I can incorporate that into my life, whether it's sitting down with psychedelics or even just like, you know, I'm going to... Um, uh, have you know have some sexy playtime with my partner and like what's our intention here is our intention to um you know like slow down and really really connect and in a really like um, like with a lot of deep presence are we feeling like we want to just just kind of like lose ourselves in it you know what is what like what is the intention here um but yeah with 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 psychedelics i feel i feel like exactly what you're saying that that um they have a lot to offer and that you can kind of play with it in that sense um, and I think for a lot of our listeners here, if you're not um, not aware of psychedelics, a lot of times people just think of it as just drugs and t- people taking acid and tripping balls at a Grateful Dead concert. And, and it totally can be that. And they're really great tools. F- they're teachers. So this is the other distinction, too. Um, a lot of times in the psychedelic realm, and uh, people think of it as their therapists, you know, they're not there to heal your childhood trauma. They're there to show you where it is and what your work is. You know, ayahuasca does that, and LSD can do that, and um, and psilocybin mushrooms can totally do that. Um, give us the messages and the guidance on where we need to go. Here's your work. Here's your here's your stuff, and um, it can be really powerful. And for me, uh, I've been. I, I I prefer to sit with ayahuasca um, in a ceremonial setting. Quarterly, kind of like once every three to four months, it feels to me it feels like a really important maintenance and connection to um, the earth, and then also to myself, to like um, a, the deeper part of myself, my deeper wisdom. And lately, for some reason, I've been sitting like once a month. I'm like, ah, these ceremonies just keep coming my way, and I like, and I, and I, um, I'm really starting to see. I, I'm actually really, really enjoying that. Like, I'm really enjoying the work that I come out there with. I go in there, I do this work, I get these lessons. Um, and what they're doing right now is they are just bringing me into this deeper connection with myself that I lose in the chaos of the everyday world. And in turn, when I have a deeper connection with myself, then I can have a deeper connection with my partner and my friends and my family. Because when I'm in the chaos of all of the insanity that's happening in the world, like, I'm on an airplane, like, five, you know, four to five times a month sometimes. And, um, and so it's in, when I, in that life, it's really easy to just get lost in the, like the doing of life. And when I'm lost in the doing, it's hard for me to connect into myself and into my heart or I can, but I have to really like sit and spend a lot of time to get there. But if I'm just living from that space, I'm not connected to myself. And in turn, even the conversations, you know, the, and the connection I have with my with my partner and my loved ones, that reflects in there. And so um, these medicines are really showing me where where my work is as well as helping me to come back to like the original default setting of this is the real me, here I am, and now I can go outward and, and experience the real me with my partner or with my family or my friends. Uh, and they're like, oh, there you are. You have so much more energy. You're so much more alive. Like this is literally, you know, I just sat in a, did an all weekend ceremony this last weekend. And 
um, you know, talking to my partner on the phone, and there he he was like, like you are just like are filled with life, like compared to before. You were just so vibrant. You know, everything to me right now is almost like more new and exciting, and I my creative juices are on fire, and I'm so driven. Like the, and this isn't because I'm in some drug induced experience. It's because it helped me to see, get clarity, to clear through some bullshit. And it's funny because the work I do with people in my um, somatic sex and relationship coaching, I'm I'm, I'm kind of doing that, you know, or, or um, I like what, what, what Chris Ryan says, that he's a shame exor- exorcist, right? So we're doing it this where we're trying to help people to get rid of shame through our word, through this this work. And the medicines are doing the same thing. They're shedding the layers, like this, you know, that unveiling, the unraveling of all this stuff that was that's getting in your way was never yours. It's created from shame and trauma and stories. And letting you feel and exist from who you really are, and um, I I love that. Like I'm so happy to be on this path. And yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. Yeah, and it's there's so many cultural taboos that when you start to look at them and examine them a little further, break apart very quickly. Mm-hmm. And to not experience what can be a really beautiful aspect of life based out of fear or based out of not wanting to come off a certain way is a miss. And that's the reason why I'm willing to talk about psychedelics openly. Well, and you also don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about <laughs> I mean, on, I mean, so, on some levels and, and, on, and on other levels, like I, I don't have fuck you money, no. right? Like I'm, I understand that talking about this kind of stuff could uh, exile me from certain circles, which ah. is totally worth it to me exactly because i don't want to hang out with those people anyway but i think that it's important to talk about these subjects uh with nuance and to your point about connecting more deeply with yourself and how these these substances can help that is i feel that 100 mm-hmm. percent. i feel like when i take psychedelics in the right setting and have the mind right mindset a version of myself shows up for myself and says, hi, welcome home. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's like, there you are. There you are. Yeah. Hi. You've always been here, but you just were hiding. You just forgot mm-hmm. or you were too rushed. Yeah. And, or that little, uh, that little moment of you know, the, the sun shining through the trees mm-hmm. that you didn't take time you for. don't normally notice or, or you right. well, don't hold with reverence because right. there's so much in the way so much the chaos yes and all of a sudden you're like i've seen this sunset before or, you know i've seen that sun shining but now i can really see it right mm-hmm. i sat in an ayahuasca ceremony last year and i had no intention of bringing this subject up while i was in it but all of a sudden i was on this journey and I was plunged underwater in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I've been a surfer my whole life. I've been a water person my whole life. It's very entangled with my career and my identity and also a genuine passion for the sport. Um, I surf big waves uh, professionally. That's another kind of vertical in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that my ego and how good I was at surfing 
was getting very much entangled with the joy of it all. Mm. And all of a sudden, I, was, I, I noticed myself starting to veer away even from the sport of surfing because it had become so entangled in this, are you good enough? You're not good enough. There are so many people who are better than you. You're not good enough to be a pro surfer. What are you even doing? So like the thoughts, wor- the just, worthiness. Just subcon- yeah, subconscious worthiness mm-hmm. playing in the back of my mind. And on the experience, I was plunged into the ocean and was met with this message of, you just need to go fucking enjoy the ocean. Mm-hmm. And and that feeling, all right, I can say it now, and it probably comes off as, as pedestrian, but th- having that feeling hit me, and I wouldn't even actually say hit me, it was more of like a gentle, like, like the best friend that you have just tapping you on the shoulder and being like, dude, just go enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And the next day I went out surfing and I found that I was noticing the experience with more joy and more happiness than I had in a very long time. So if we're talking about different versions of ourselves showing up, that's the version of myself that I want to show up all the time. And that doesn't mean that I don't then blow it and then get pissed off again and forget those lessons. And that's where the work comes in, Mm -hmm. right? It's the time when you see the ripple of water and you slow down to really notice it or the sun shining through the trees and it's a little reminder for you to exhale and show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, well, and that's the the key piece there too is um, there's like the integration piece. Which, and for me, I've, I've gone to so many ceremonies where the next day or two days later I had to get on an airplane and go to like Las Vegas, which if you've heard me talk about but on this podcast before, I have a theory and there's a little invisible box and in that box there are things that take your soul away and it is Safeway shopping centers and the grocery stores that are similar <laughs> to that. Uh, cocaine, and Las Vegas. <laughs> Things that take your soul. They take your soul away. Every time you go into those places or you consume those things, uh, you lose a little bit of your soul in that moment. Safeways. Yeah, Safeways. I walk in there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to die. <laughs> the fluorescent lights. The lights, yeah. <laughs> and all the like preservatives and artificial <laughs> coloring and the food zombies. Oh my God, it's terrifying. Especially after Burning Man. Going to a Safeway after Burning Man, I do not. Recommend it. Yeah. yeah. Not well, that, I mean, and that's part of uh, using using these substances in a way that we can derive the greatest learnings from. Yeah. And most of the time, we don't, right? Most of the time, we use psychedelics, and then the next day, we're back on our phones, or we're back in the yeah. meetings, and it can be kind of traumatic sometimes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like, like your whoa. your your spirit is like, whoa, dude, yeah. uh, hey, yo, we were just uh, yeah. we were just here. Why are you abandoning me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> come back, come yeah. back. <laughs> so I think that whether or not we even choose to use psychedelics, it's more about scheduling the time before and after mm-hmm. to integrate as much as possible. Yep. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you had something going on in your life relationship issue, work issue, and you decided that you were just going to take three days of disconnecting. And regardless just on that. regardless mm-hmm. of psychedelics. I yeah. think that psychedelics can yeah. help get you to that mountaintop where you get the 360 degree view of how beautiful life can be. Mm. But and, you can do it without. But too. you can also do it without. Mm-hmm. And I've had fantastic experiences without. Um, so... 
I think, though, the time that we spend and the seriousness with which we choose to move into the experiences is more important than the psychedelics themselves. Exactly. Because we, all know, because we mm-hmm. all know people who have taken a ton of psychedelics and haven't changed yes. one bit except for the way that they talk. Yeah. Right? Their speech Now cha- I'm sp- their speaking speech, all spiritual. Yeah, their speech <laughs> changes, but their actions don't. More spiritual than you, bro. Yeah, more fucking spiritual. <laughs> so, than you. so fucking spiritual. So fucking enlightened. That's a big. So that's a big thing for me. As a, you know, as I was saying, I've come out of ceremonies and gone right to Las Vegas. This last one, um, amazingly, my life is like so much more cleared up right now. So I came out and I've had this full week. For me, it's a big deal to have a whole week in at home <laughs> in Santa Cruz, and it's a busy week. I'm still doing a lot but I'm doing everything with intention and I've left that ceremony and um, wrote down some specific agreements and commitments to myself and I'm carrying those through this week you know holding them in reverence and doing a lot of self-care and then um, just in in, in, in a lot of nourishment like really holding space for the lessons to settle in whereas in the past I haven't done that and and it just it kind of like, you know, dissipates and the work gets lost. So, yeah, I li- and I like what you said, too. Like, as we talk about psychedelics and the, what they can do for um, helping us to kind of s- tap into our true selves, it's kind of, to me, seems like the, um, the like, the fast lane version of it, right? Like, we can do it on our own. And, uh, or, or the way I describe my work with people when I do sex and relationship coaching you know, helping people to work through shame, you can we can do it in those sessions or do it on our own. But it's the and the psychedelics are kind of like the turbo speed version of those of getting you in there. And they do so many other things too. Um, but I think that they really just help to like quickly rip away the layers. And um, whereas when we do it on our own, sometimes, especially depending on how thick those layers are, the work is can take a long time. Right. And if there wasn't the dogma around psychedelics, yeah, I wouldn't be talking about them with such passion. Yeah. If everyone said going on hikes can kill you, <laughs> going on hikes is poison for your brain, going on hikes will turn you into a loser. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, fuck, no, hikes are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some people have died on hikes, but guess what? People have also died in their cars on the way to go to the hikes. More right? people. <laughs> so I would be talking about hikes mm-hmm. or anything with that same with the same level of passion, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that's what's important, right? It's going after the subjects that are taboos in our culture right now and re-examining them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I like making making our own rules and pushing the envelope a little. Like we we live in a world where with so much conditioning on who people should be, um, as as you know, whatever it is, who they should what the, what they should grow up and be, who they should be in relationship, who they should um, how they should portray them, how they should dress, all these things. And um, I see so many people that are. Uh, life is really dull for them, and they don't know why. They don't understand why. Like, why is life just kind of like meh? And I've had moments of like that for myself too. I'm like, hey, everything seems like, like the dimmer's been turned down a little bit. But a lot of people live a life entirely like that, you know, w- with that essence or that under undertone forever. And um, I I feel like a lot of that really is that they haven't taken the time to tap into who am I really and like, what is my my real purpose? Like, what is, how do I really want to express myself? How do I really want to experience life? Not these ideas and rules that, you know, society gave us and how we should be. Yeah. And trying shit out. Yeah. Yeah. Trying things out. Yeah. One of the great joys of 
the the work that I get to do um, is that I I get to experiment a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've basically lived my life in two month long experiments. Whether it's I'm making a documentary or writing a story, so I I'm a writer also, uh, and I'll use this as an example as something that has just brightened my day substantially. I'm writing a story right now for a local magazine called Santa Cruz Waves on foil surfing. Mm, I don't so know what that so is. So foil surfing is an airplane wing. Picture a full airplane, the shape of an airplane, attached to the bottom of a surfboard, oh. right? And you start paddling for a wave, and what it does is it lifts you out of the water. Whoa. You might have seen footage of Laird Hamilton doing this, where it looks like he's gliding along the top of the water about three feet above the water. Because like Jesus? Like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he's gliding. Uh, and uh, it's so fun. It's so fun because you lose all resistance in the water as you're as you're surfing along, and all you have is this airplane that's using water pressure to keep you up, and it's really hard. And I've been surfing for a very long time, and to find something that I can't do is very addicting mm. and very frustrating. And I need to get I need to learn how to do it because I'm writing this article, Right? So there's a little bit of like, right, Kyle, f- figure this out. So I've been foil surfing almost every day for the last week, and I'm starting to kind of figure it out a little bit, a little bit. And my days have been 20% better as a result of trying this new skill that I suck at mm. and getting good at it. Yeah. So I think that to segue into what, uh, what's your, what your forte is, which is sex, relationships... You don't need to own a new identity by being like, what's my purpose? Where, what am I doing now? You can try it out. Yeah. You can try it out in a two-week experiment and see, yeah, does this work for me? Does this not work for me? And as a result, you get so much more intel than having never tried it or working through all of the things that could potentially go wrong and then you never end up even doing it yeah yeah there's a lot of pressure i think for people to know what their purpose is now like i have to have the answer now but there's so much beauty in the um the discovery phase and it, it could be a lifelong discovery phase you could have a purpose one minute and in a year later it's a whole different purpose and you know, dip your toes in and figure out what what feels good yeah well let's hope it does i mean let's <laughs> hope that you're growing and changing and evolving as a person well, and if you're not that's the dull life that's yes. the like you know if if anyone I, I feel like if anyone's feeling like their life is a little dull and, and dim like the, the dimmer has been turned on like look at um, how you're living your life in um, find see shit you suck at and get better try at it. Try to push yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was on your podcast. I did talk about the um, the comfort stretch panic, the circles. Yes, yes. and um, I don't know if I've done that. Honestly, yellow probably. Come with yes. Got to go in the stretch zone. Live in that yellow zone. Live in the yellow zone, everyone. Um, so if you imagine, I probably have talked about it before, but if you imagine circles, so we have a circle. There's a circle in the middle circle. It's comfort. Um, and this is where we spend most of our day to day. So this is like, I wake up, I drink my coffee, I go to work, I come home, I cook my dinner, I have sex with my partner, I go to sleep, you know, whatever you're normal every day. This feels safe. This feels comfortable. Um, our patterns are everyday living. And then outside of that circle, think of another circle outside of it. And in that outside circle, it's stretched. This is the stretch zone where, 
um, it's a little uncomfortable. It's not like painful, but it's a little uncomfortable. And this is where we stretch ourselves, where we make choices or do things that push us. So um, like Kyle going and experiencing foil surfing where it's, it's edgy because like, oh, this is new, but I need, like, I need to learn this. I need to push myself and do something new and enticing and exciting. Um, and this is where the learning and the growth comes in. This is where that dimmer that's been turned down, where you're stuck in comfort, in dullness, now all of a sudden gets turned up because you're learning a new skill or you're having these new connections, but it feels a little, a little like edgy because it's new and a little uncomfortable. Um, but this is where the growth comes in. And then outside of that one, just the whole abyss outside the stretch zone is what we would call panic. This is where if you go there, which we all do all the time on the ac on accident, get the fuck out of there. This is where we're in panic and we're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. like this is like you doing the foil thing and you um, all right, start look drowning. at me foiling. I need to show you this oh, video. Okay, look, I'm in the one in the back. Okay, look, I'm getting going. I'm just riding an open ocean swell there. Uh -huh. Look, yep, and I just get going. See how I'm above the water? Oh, whoa, I'm like crazy. two feet above the water. He's flying. He's essentially flying, everyone. I'm flying. Where do people look at that? It's on your Instagram? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone. Kyle Tierman's Instagram. Go watch him How flying. Get, it's physics. Yeah. And that's, but it's exhilarating when Science. you go and put yourself into the stretch zone. And like, I, for me, some of the most fulfilling feelings, like, oh, like an example would be when I was, um, learning how to do this podcast. You know, I'm the one that edits the podcast, so everyone, if I fuck up, I'm really sorry, but <laughs> I'm not perfect. But learning all these things, how to edit and how to, you know, put the sound, the music in there, all these things. In the initial phase, you know, it's in the, I'm in the stretch, I'm like, oh, this is like, oh, this is so hard because it's something new. And I'm like, having to kind of push myself and I kind of procrastinate a little, like, ah, maybe I'll learn it tomorrow. But then once you start to learn it, it feels so good. I just got a new skill. Like, I feel alive. That's what life is about. Like, life to me is learning and teaching, learning and teaching, learning and teaching forever. Like, that. that is to me and me. Everyone else can maybe have their own theory. A damn on. good cup of coffee in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay, uh, learning, coffee, teach. <laughs> coffee, learn, teach. I don't know. Yeah. Some I mean, it's too. Boobs? Good poops. Oh, I think <laughs> Yeah, some good poops and boobs. And this is the meaning of life, everyone. Brought to you by Kyle Tierman. Squatty potties. Squatty potties. <laughs> the ones like the hippie ones where you put your feet up? Yeah. Yeah. Do you use those? Well, uh, our mutual <laughs> friend Chris Ryan has a squatty potty and he sold me on it. He did. And all of a sudden, so here's the deal, everyone. We weren't supposed to poop while sitting down. I know. What's if up? You think about pooping in nature, you're squatting down, you're engaging your abdominal muscles, and that's how you get all the shit out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the big reasons that women need to pee all the time is because not all of their urine comes out when they're sitting, when they're sitting yeah. down. Mm -hmm. So the squatty potty allows you to engage those muscles and give yourself a high five after you poop. <laughs> You feel super awesome. But then, like, so <laughs> Chris Ryan, author of Sex at Dawn, yeah. has a squatty potty. Mm -hmm. And it is the perfect example to describe him, right? <laughs> <laughs> the squatty because, potty. <laughs> well, because he's, he is questioning one system mm -hmm. that has been widely adopted. Yeah, that's what he does. And yeah. saying, that's stupid. Yeah. There's a this better way to do sense. this. This yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And we should just I and and he uses that mindset to to uh, dissect 
something as trivial as a squatty potty all the way out into human sexuality and mm-hmm. political systems. Yep. But it's the mindset with which we approach the problem. It's not so much the specific problem. How we approach something is how we approach everything. Yeah. Like we're just doing it this way because of some like you know, it's just some some Western practice. Like someone decided that this was a cleaner, more sanitary. You know, cleaner, more sanitary. We don't have to, um, you know, deal with the mess. Just flush it away. We don't know where it goes, but someone else will deal. Now with everyone it. has stomach problems because they don't get all their poop out. <laughs> you know, and they wonder why. It's just the stuff that's. And building. then there's the shame. The poop shame. shame. Poop shame. Sh- poop shame. Yeah. Fart shame. Oh yeah, lots of shame. Girls don't fart. I heard. Yeah, I heard. It's bullshit, It's bullshit. Yeah, it's it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so much shame I around it. I heard of one once, a you thousand years ago. Ah, oh, it's a mystical woman. A mystical woman. <laughs> she let one slip. <laughs> there were many and novels. I never heard it there were many again. novels written about her. <laughs> the fables. It, it, it caused earthquakes that changed the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're getting a little carried away. That's fun. Um, Chris Ryan and I, we, we were talking about when he... When we, I went on his podcast, I want him to come on he, th- this one at some point too. Um, but we were talking about this is a, a segue here from poop. <laughs> we weren't talking about, although maybe we did talk about poop on his podcast. Yeah, we did. Um, but we were specifically talking about um, uh, collaborating on working on some uh, pieces on how to teach men on how to live as their authentic selves as uh, sexual beings in terms of how they show up for relationships for themselves. Um, to kind of say like fuck you to the socially constructed ideas of what masculinity should be and again like it's that you know the shame exorcism getting rid of the layers of like who you know or um, I you know I can't uh, so here an example you know he is he Chris Ryan wrote sex at dawn so it's a lot about non-monogamy but an example there will be like I can't tell my partner that um, I have a desire, interest, or I'm even just attracted to other people because they might lose. I might they might not be cool with that. So I'm gonna lie about it. You know that thing they can't. They're not living in their authentic selves because they're fearful that this that they'll lose someone and that this isn't the way it should be. Um, and and I'm super excited about that. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm really excited if we do collaborate on that. And this is like something I'm always excited about. And I always think of you, Kyle, as like an evolved being in your overall being outside of sex and relationships, but um, of someone who makes their own rules and who has come a long way and probably hasn't always been perfect. But <laughs> I just thought of a great bumper sticker. What is it? It's a photo of a squatty potty <laughs> and, bel- and below it says evolved being. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You should. Oh my god! You should make them. You should just talk to the squatty potty people because that would you put on your car? Would you do it? Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they could be the presenting sponsor of my podcast. (laughs) I do the greatest rants. That is so good. (laughs) (laughs) I like that squatty potty evolved being. Good job. Good at moment being a level <laughs> Squ- one listener. Squatty potty below this. Question everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then a picture of Chris Ryan's face. Next to it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like Chris Ryan, like like contemplating, like one of like the stoic contemplatives oh, yes, on, a, well, on a squatty potty yeah. and says question With everything. His, like, Liz chin on his on his <laughs> yeah. hand, yeah, resting. Yeah. Well, um, we'll get that to you, Chris, and see if we can oh, sign your life away for that. God, I'm an idiot. No, I like it. I think it's brilliant and ridiculous in a brilliant way. Um, that was a moment brought to a Kyle being a level one listener, everyone. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, but I wanted to say that um, first of all, I, I, I admire you, and 
Um, I want to know if you have any tips or advice to the world on, and let's talk specifically about sexuality and relationships. Um, how, what do you, how do you think that men can evolve to um, be more authentic to who they are as, um, as sexual beings or in the relationships? Like what has worked for you to stop being, I don't know if you ever were, were do, would you ever think you were kind of like, I mean, you're part of the surf community. There's plenty of, of people there that um, live a life of that's. Uh, can I use the word broy? That's very right, broy. Want to make a judgment on broiness? Sure. And broiness um, is kind of fitting into a specific conformity of of um, kind of like the way the pa- the pack is running. Well, it's fucking as a sport. Uh huh. There you go. So the difference between fucking as a sport as opposed to um, having sex or relationships for connection and for um, for you know meaning and yeah, I mean I was absolutely in that world. Mm-hmm. I vividly remember uh, being in high school and having sex with a really pretty girl, and in the moment of having sex, thinking I'm going to tell all my friends about this. Yeah, I'm going to get so many high fives. I'm going to yeah. get so many high fives. Fuck yeah bro <laughs> and that's the culture that's yeah. the the cultural norm that still persists yeah and even outside of the surf community yeah, i mean it's it's everywhere it's, yeah it's yeah i mean it, uh, it's just super prevalent and um it's a way that men bond actually not in a deep way it's because it's not like I'm going to bond with you, friend, in a moment that you really need help mm-hmm. or you really need my support. It's a, it's a bonding, it's a social bonding that's easy to do. It's like singling the kid out in the schoolyard and having everyone make fun of them and, you, and the group is bonding. Over making, over yeah. making fun uh, of this yeah. one kid, right? Mm-hmm. In the same way fucking for sport isn't so much about that experience. It's about the little ego inflator that you get after the fact. The status, everyone be like, like, yeah, bro, that's so awesome. Way to nail that chick. But it's, (laughs) yeah, it's uh, something that I'm still continuing to to work through. Mm -hmm. Uh, And look, all of the experiences that we have in life, everyone who we meet, everyone who who we talk to, everyone who we have sex with, every everything we do is really just uh, to self-actualize ourselves more, mm. right? Like we have this experience, whether it's go on a hike uh, or have sex, and we hopefully learn a little bit more about ourselves, right? And those yellow zones that you're talking about are so valuable because they're these they're kind of fast tracks to learning about ourselves more. Well, how do I act? How do I, how do I show up in this situation or that situation? How do I show up when I'm not on autopilot? Right? So one thing that's been really helpful for me, uh, to just reflect on a a lot of the ways that I acted and, um, still continue to act in sometimes, um, is keeping a journal. Mm. First thing in the morning, before I turn my phone on, uh, I will 
write down some thoughts on a page, things that I'm afraid of, things that I'm ashamed of, things that I hope to um, do and accomplish, uh, just anything, getting it out there in a way that isn't going to be seen by anyone else, so I don't need to filter how it's coming off, is really helpful for me mm -hmm. um, and has been. Because I, th I think that part of this, part of what can lead to uh, us living lives where we're not learning about ourselves is when we're living on distraction. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that can be from being on our phones all the time being on social media all the time, it actually fractures our ability to think deeply about any one thing. Mm -hmm. um, in the opposite way, I think that reading books, listening to podcasts... Kyle Tierman Show, everyone. Hanging, <laughs> hanging, <laughs> spending time with people who are, uh, who are positive influences on us and push us to be deeper thinkers naturally will lead us to... Uh, thinking about our own lives in a more deep way. Mm -hmm. um, so I find that my anxiety levels go down substantially when I do keep a journal. And it I kind of vacillate between being really on it and spending some time to meditate and having a journal. And I find that when I win the morning, the rest of the day is a lot more easy. Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, everyone. <laughs> Tim Ferriss, he's, he's got some wisdom. Yeah, win that morning. He's, he's a little anal retentive, but he's got some wisdom in there. <laughs> yep, doing some things. I, and I, th I think that that's, uh, that's on, a, on pra a pragmatic level, waking up and before I turn my phone on, where I'm still in that state of like just coming out of the dream world and mm -hmm. writing down thoughts for five minutes uh, has helped me substantially to... Um, deepen my own thinking around a range of subjects mm -hmm. and one of them being relationships and sexuality mm -hmm. so, and and yeah. hanging with you honestly uh Woo, i'm a good yeah. influence and a bad influence yeah I, li I, well, I listen to your <laughs> podcast and uh i have conversations with you and i i think that being someone who is uh has you're someone who's seen various themes play out in relationships and people's lives in a way where you can kind of serve as a a moor in storms. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. when you're in the storm, it's very difficult to know how to go north. Oh, yeah. It's, it gets confusing in there. And uh, when I've been in those difficult times, having a group of friends, um, you being one of them, who can hear the storm as, you know, uh, as verbal vomit mm -hmm. coming out and kind of provide... Uh, provide a compass yeah well because i'm not or myself or, or your other friends that were there um to support you or the way i show up for you know clients or the way i show up for my friends or family when you know when we're triggered or we're going through a thing um you know we're emotionally invested and so like you know for for me i'm not emotionally invested in um you know to a certain degree i can be because i have like i want the best for everyone and um, I'm not, you know, I'm not triggered, so it's easy to help people to sort through all those. Right, but you're looking at it through a sober lens. Totally. Right, mm -hmm. and that's what's super important. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, it's almost journalistic in the way, yeah. in the way that you're able to look at a couple different sides of an issue and still be removed from it to tell a more honest story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's important work. And I think it's just that, I mean, that 
brings it. We live in this this culture that um, everything's very isolated, right? It's like when I experience my hardships, I need to sort them out on my own. Is kind of the mentality there because we have these very isolated lives. You know, our own individual houses and our own individual land and the nuclear family. When you know most people aren't living in community and you know going through pain in community and raising children in community and going through you know all that stuff. Um, but to me, that's like the original way. We just m- aren't living that for mo- the most part. And But when people are going through hard stuff, like you're having a heartbreak um, and the tendency is to isolate, like like push yourself to step outside of that because having uh, with, with people that will love you and your vulnerability, but having people who can look at it through that lens and show up for you and support you um, could be a total game changer um, in, in your way of thinking and also your way of moving through the hardships, too. It's, I mean, it's, it's but it's just not not the default for a lot of people. And then it brings me to, like, the, the, the piece about it's hard for people to ask for help. There's the gender thing, gender um, kind of uh, issue or stigma around men asking for help. Hey, you know, in like, talking about you, you and your surf community, could you, like, do you feel like you can go up to a lot of those men and be like, dude, I'm having some heavy relationship stuff. Can I talk to you? Like, is, is there a lot of safety there in that community? There's just a lot of this, this idea and you don't even have to answer that if you don't want to, but sure. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I have a, I'm very grateful to say that I have a solid core group of friends and I have a lot of different friends who I show up for in different ways and a lot of friends who show up for me in different ways. Mm -hmm. I have, good friends who I love, love, love to go surfing with, but I might not open up to them about relationship. Totally. I have friends who I love, love, love talking about philosophical issues with, Um, but I might not, those might not be the ones who I Mm -hmm. open up to about relationship. And then I have friends who show up in different ways. Right. And, and, that's one thing that I'm, I'm, I think has been, shoot, probably one of the best influences on my life is just surrounding myself with good people. Yeah. It makes a big difference. We're sponges. We absorb. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. We absorb the energy that we surround ourselves with. And, and that's, I think, with, with kind of what you were saying a couple minutes ago, too, is... Um, that I thought about when you were saying that was uh, also having really great teachers, yeah. you know, it, people to inspire you. Like when we just did this recent podcast with um, Alika and he was talking about masculinity and men and how they can um, become better lovers, but also how they can show up stronger in their masculine to support the feminine or show up in their own feminine and just kind of moving through the polarities, not just specifically speaking about gender, but more um, of like navigating those polarities. Um, I had men reaching out to me that were like, I want to, I want to like, I want to learn from that guy, you know? And so, and I, and I appreciated that to hear people that, that were, were inspired by that and wanted, wanting, because, because it is like those, having those teachers and those influences can really um, help to guide us and open us up. I mean, if you see a teacher that we were like, I love what they're doing, um, either you know reading their work or going to their talks or taking their classes or asking them like can I be your your little will you be my sensei <laughs> yeah be a game changer it sure can mm-hmm. um, I think another because you're we're kind of on the like the the bro masculine, sa- masculine yeah. like the way we relate one thing that's uh, saved me a lot of grief and also uh, caused me a lot of grief before I knew how to do it was 
to be super upfront about intentions mm. moving into any kind of relationship mm-hmm. sexually s- specifically because it's you're talking about with partners or with, with partners, partners. Oh, partners. Oh, yeah with yeah. partner like I, I think that a lot yeah. of pain is caused because uh people will s- start hooking up and they won't be clear about exactly. their intentions uh-huh. moving forward because they're afraid that either they won't get laid if they're honest mm-hmm. about what they really want or it'll be painful Mm-hmm. And it's way easier to just kick that can down the road a few months. And I've seen it on both sides yeah. um, where guys feel like their time was just wasted because they wanted a relationship. And the, maybe the woman knew that she didn't want a relationship, but was still kind of just pushing that conversation off to the side and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that sucks because life is so short. Yeah, mm-hmm. And that's, I think part of like my um just like I I sometimes feel like I move too fast um with how much I want to learn and how much information I want to ingest and how much I want to do and see and feel and experience and the reason for that though is because I can see my life retrospectively I can actually look at myself from the outside and I see how quickly this is all going to be over. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of what has sh- attuned tuned that frequency for me is having a podcast and sitting down with, with people who are older than me, who I respect, and having someone like Jim Fadiman on, who's in his 70s, and he's one of the top researchers on uh, psychedelic medicines um, and, and ther- safe therapeutic ways to use psychedelics. And he still has the youthful exuberance of a 24-year-old, mm. but he's an old man now. Mm. And I can see myself in him. Mm. Little 27-year-old who can, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, and it's, mm-hmm. it's strange and it's, it's nuanced and it's, it's highly psychedelic to, mm-hmm. to think about time in that way. Mm-hmm. So... As much as I can experiment and do and feel and uh, then then write down those learnings and try and apply those learnings as quickly as possible, um, the happier I'm going to be. Yeah, yeah. It's I think way. a part of it is too is that I I can get very uh, neurotic if I'm not doing that like mm-hmm. if I'm not on purpose like I've had times in my life where I felt like I was off like I was doing a um <laughs> I was doing a campaign once for a beer company where they sponsored uh, a bunch of different episodes of this, this adventure series that I was doing and I was stoked I thought it was gonna be a really fun time and every cut that I gave to um, the production company of us going on these great adventures. And they were silly. They were fun. They were very me. Every cut I gave to the company, the sponsor came in and gutted any personality out of it. Mm -hmm. And they wanted it to be this clear, clean, vanilla, middle of the road. We don't want to offend anyone with anything that could be potentially you know turn people off and 
I was on these calls with this company. I felt like I was getting fucking radiated. Mm, like I felt yeah. like my soul was. Well, it goes getting into the, the box of taking your soul away. We'll put yeah. it in a safe way in Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like the 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 feeling of having anything authentic that I was bringing to the table yeah. be ripped away. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it was just Kyle, the young surfer who can maybe sell beer mm-hmm. was all that they wanted. And none, and none of the weird wacky shit that I'm actually into. Yeah. It, it felt like I was being radiated mm-hmm. in a very real way. So whenever that has happened in my life, I very quickly try and, uh, change directions and or or reflect on why it is that I'm feeling that way. Mm-hmm. So, what do you feel like people? So, there's a lot of people who um, live to like they have a job and they don't like their job and they're doing it because they have kids and they have to pay the bills. And for those people, when I like for me, when I talk to those people and tell them, you know what I you know what I do in that, like I have this belief that you know. If you really put your heart and mind to it, like you can do anything and that that and tap into your deeper fulfilling purpose. Sounds like some hippie talk to me. Hippie talk, bro. But like, how do you? Like, what would you? Um, what would you say to those people? If you met that person who's like, I hate my job. I need to make money so that I can support my family. I have three kids. Um, there's some other things I'm really interested in, but I don't know how I can make money off of it, and I'm kind of miserable. What would you say? I would say to try a two-week experiment. I don't think that it's intelligent advice to say quit your job and start wearing a bandana and <laughs> you know, Fuck mo- you. move to an alternative you do like community. A Jerry Maguire. Yeah, because I mean that's a uh, still a major um, anxiety in my life mm-hmm. is money. Make money. Yeah, yeah I, I I still need to piece it together, and I have a few different uh, jobs that I do, and we all got to make money. Um, so, but I think that y- that. It's about making little shifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you can do that when you set set dates on like, okay, I'm gonna learn I'm gonna try and learn this skill. Like learn this this new hobby or, or while also keeping or, my day job. Well, yeah, yeah, while uh-huh. also keeping my day job. Yeah. And i and maybe it's not that you hate your day job. Maybe it's just the way in which yeah. you move through your day in your day job. Yeah. Maybe you just need the other outside things. Totally. Maybe if fulfilling. you picked up foil surfing, you'd love your yeah. day job. <laughs> Start your day foil surfing, then go to your day job. Life is good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, uh, that's part of it is, is that we don't, I think that l- having a job that is, is your passion is double edged mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. part of it is that, wow, I get to do my passion all day long. The other part of it is, wow, I don't love my passion like it could, as much it could ruin anymore. your passion. It could mm-hmm. totally ruin your passion. Mm-hmm. Same you know, with what I was talking about uh, doing ayahuasca and mm-hmm. seeing how closely surfing in the ocean had become part of my job and how convoluted that experience was becoming. So, yeah, I, I think that it goes back to not... You don't need to think big about changing your life. There yeah. can be little, little, shifts. little shifts and... Um. Yeah, just doing finding new hobbies all the time. I mean, I would say on on that note because there is a lot of pressure. Like we should all love our job and our work or whatever, and 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 maybe that's not an option for everyone. But I think for the most part, if you just look at the bigger picture, like do you more so love or enjoy your life than not? And 
Um, how, if you don't, how can you alter your life? You know, maybe you keep your job that you don't love because you need to make money, but what else can you add in so that, um, so that you can live this fulfilling life? Like you said, life is short and there's so many things and same with relationships too. You know, is your relationship feeling less good than good? Okay. Either leave the relationship or what can you do to make it feel more good than less good? And that's what matters. It isn't necessarily like, I mean, it's, it's, it's the broader picture and it's the, the feeling that you're left with of, of, I mean, it's, it's, your existence, your essence. It's big life force energy. Big Sur is right around the corner. But yeah, there you go. go. Bring some mushrooms down there. There you go. Just go to your psychedelics. Trip out on the blue ocean. Comes back to it. And then you go. And then you're like, I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> and I'm going to go yeah. move to <laughs> Africa and change the world. And I'd be like, right on. Oh, uh, there's yeah. a good uh, parody on Burning Man that was done. Have uh-huh. you ever seen? I, I've seen a number, but yeah. Well, there, there's one that uh, Simon Rex does. On it, where he he comes back from Burning Man, he goes, "Hey boss, I just got back from Burning Man. Fuck you, I quit." <laughs> I think, <laughs> and he goes and he tries to reconnect with all of his burner friends, uh-huh. and they all have their regular jobs, and they don't want to hang with him anymore, or they or he hangs they, with them and realizes out. that they're total losers, <laughs> and that he doesn't want to hang with them. At the end of the day, he goes, "But boss, about what I said earlier, <laughs> <laughs> Burning Man's not working for me anymore." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Take it slow, everyone. <laughs> Don't slow. make any big decisions right away. All right, we're going to wrap this up, Kyle, with um, <clears throat> with like just like one or two sentence answers to a couple questions. To summarize, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Name some things, go. Uh, I podcast, I surf, I do environmental documentaries, I travel, I give... High fives. I poop on squatty potties. I think about stupid bumper sticker names. <laughs> and why do you do what you do? What, what, what's, the re- what's the reason? Why do I do what I do? Uh, what's the bumper sticker that says why you do what you do? Trying to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know and I don't think about it that hard because it's too easy to come up with a formulaic answer. I just, I, I try and, uh, I, I like looking at subjects that I think are fascinating and maybe systems that I think are stupid and dissecting those. Um, and I really like to learn. So I try and put myself in as many positions as possible where I can learn as much as possible. Um, and I, um, I, yeah, I'm still figuring it out though. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I, I really d- don't, um, I don't know. And that's okay. Uh-huh. So I try and, I try and live my life as in, one day chunks and two week chunks. And I try and make smaller circles around goals that I have and things that I want to achieve because otherwise it gets too big and I feel overwhelmed and all of a sudden I feel like I'm not good enough and like I'm never going to get there. And I become paralyzed by fear. Mm. So uh, I try and say, hey, I'm going to learn how to foil surf in the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. And that keeps me happy. So your bumper stickers would be, 
I don't know, and that's okay. Long, long fucking bumper sticker. <laughs> His bumper sticker is I don't know, and that's okay, and um, well, something about living the moment, and uh, question everything. <laughs> With a squatty potty right at the <laughs> bottom of it. With Chris Ryan pondering. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lastly, how can people find you? Uh, my website is kyle.surf, not kyle.surf.com, just kyle.surf. It's where you can see all of my micro documentaries, podcasts. I'm also on Instagram, kyle underscore T man. T man, not Tierman. T man. T man. Oh, just T man. Well, Tierman's a very difficult yeah, name to spell, and yeah. you know it's a German name yes. that. Uh, and you moved to Hong Kong. We <laughs> 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 you know the whole story. If you want to hear the story again, go to the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> the circle of life. <laughs> He's also a professional singer. We'll add that. Well, thank you so much, Kyle, for coming on shameless sex talking shamelessly about psychedelics and pooping and relationships <laughs> and um and just what drives you and how you like to push the envelope and question everything and <laughs> let's wrap this up i just drank a big cup of verve coffee and i gotta poop <laughs> <laughs> okay okay run kyle kyle's running the bathroom and um as april would say she's not here today we love you april um but as april would say everyone see you next tuesday as we release our podcast every tuesday and we love your reviews so if you want to write a review for us we would love that it helped us out and if you are a subscriber of us already, we love you too. And to write a review, you are going to actually have to kind of log out and search for us again in iTunes, and then you can write a review. Um, and as we always say, we like your sex questions, so you can email us at shamelesssexpodcast at gmail.com. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.